Yeah, people underestimate A, the scale of the internet and B, the power of content. Like when you just take many shots by publishing posts and whatnot, you're basically just continually playing bet saying, I'm going to try to get the scale of the internet in my favor and just seeing how this content works. Like if you place enough bets, like one of them is going to hit. This is Writers in Tech, a podcast where today's top content strategists, UX writers, and content designers share their well-kept industry secrets. Hello and welcome to Writers in Tech, a podcast brought to you by the UX Writing Hub. UX Writing Hub is a platform that is all about educating writers in tech, about content design, UX writing, and we have a weekly blog, weekly newsletter, and feel free to jump to our website if you want to check our free UX writing course. Today, we have a guest, a very special guest, and his name is David Ramos. David is a staff writer at Ghost. Thanks for having me today. Thank you so much. It's really cool to meet with you because uh, we've met on Twitter, and that's the first time we're having a guest that I've met on Twitter. Oh, yeah, I'm a first. Yeah, that's awesome. Cool. <laughs> so first of all, what is Ghost, the company? Sure. Great question. So Ghost is an open source CMS, so content management system. And what makes it cool is that it's built specifically for like publishers and people in the creator economy. So the whole idea is that you can run your whole business as a creator off of Ghost. And, you know, they take like 0% commission. So the whole idea is they are a nonprofit open source alternative to a lot of the bigger platforms like Patreon or WordPress or so on. First of all, amazing. So like you have those companies today, like members tech that allow you to like monetize out of, I hope I got the name right, like monetize mm -hmm. your newsletter, right? Like they have a CMS for, exactly. and, and this one yeah. is a SaaS platform, it's paid. So you're giving like a solution that is open source. Exactly. So what are the incentives right now for creators to use uh, Ghost? Yeah, so a lot of what I write right now is trying to help people better understand how the creator economy works and then specifically how to use Ghost to help them be successful online. So like a little of my backstory to kind of wind our way around so I actually spent like a decade in higher ed and I worked all over the place. It was sort of winding my way to become a professor. And then I decided I mostly just liked the writing part of being a professor, not actually everything else that came with it. So in 2019, I actually left to be a full-time uh, freelance writer and then self-published author on Amazon. And so while I was doing that whole self-publishing, that's when I learned like, oh, you know, this is what actually works when you're building an audience, or this is what actually works when you're launching a course. Just because a lot of the advice online, you know, gets outdated very quickly because as soon as a new trend comes or a new platform or, you know, how TikTok has shaken up the landscape in a lot of different ways. And suddenly the advice that was working even three months ago doesn't super apply. And so you have to find these kind of a meta trend that will still work and help you build something that isn't so reliant on all that. So basically, that's what I was working on, just trying to understand those things. And I saw, I started using Ghost as one of my platforms as a writer. And then I saw that they were hiring a writer to kind of explain these topics. I was like, well, that's kind of a match made in heaven. So let me see if we'll be a good fit together. And we were. And so for the last six or seven months, we've kind of been 
building out this content library to help give mostly solo creators a better you know, strategy playbook to build an audience, figure out how they can create content that reaches people. And most of that content is through writing. So like my, a lot of my writing is helping other writers figure out how to make your words successful online. Amazing. So helping people to build their audience and so on. You know, like someone from the audience right now, we have many writers listening to this podcast. They're asking, okay, so how big is this ghost thing? Like how big can I get? Like how many followers do people have on ghost when they sign up? It, it depends on the creator, oh, obviously, but uh, what like... A hundred percent, Like where yes. can we reach you? Just, uh, or where do people reach these days on Ghost? Like maybe the top performer. Yeah, I mean, without like naming specific names, we have people who are sending out, you know, um, reaching a million users a week. What? Because they have, yeah, they have such a huge audience. And so it really spans a scale of, you know, you don't need that many. We have people, you know, the whole idea is to build something sustainable. And I know like we'll, we'll write kind of wind this back to content strategy and how, you know, people in our profession and marketing can use these. But the whole idea, whether you're a solo creator or business, is that you need a lot less or a lot fewer of the right people paying attention to what you're doing. And so when you have that in mind, you play the game differently. So we have, for example, one of the recent pieces I wrote was about one of our users who only has 700 paid subscribers but that is their full-time job because just from those 700, they have enough income coming in to completely replace what they were making before. And so writing their weekly pieces is everything they need to focus on. And for a lot of people, that just seems, you know, they think they have to do a thousand different things at once in order to something work online. And that's just not the case. Same thing goes for marketing. You think you need to do so many things to move your business or product in the right direction. And it's usually doing less that will get you further. In what way? Yeah, that's the magic question. It's so one of the like big ideas I've been playing with that the ghost team has helped me figure out is that a lot of marketing is focused on growth. Obviously we kind of equate the two, but I think a, a better definition of marketing is positioning. Because if you can position yourself into the right places, into the right markets, into the right things that people associate you with, then you can let the trends and currents carry you in the right direction. That sounds smart. Yeah. So like, for example, Ghost itself is a product that was kind of built as a blog and was built mainly for developers. And so if you look at a lot of our early user base, it was a lot of people who were more technically savvy. And then over the last year or two, they've positioned to be more of a full solution for creators. And so because of that, we're kind of repositioned and now we can take advantage of a whole new market. And that kind of just solves a lot of the problems of growth that you have if you're targeting the wrong people. Mm -hmm. And uh, you own the data that you publish on Ghost means... It's not like on Medium, for example, where you publish it and it's theirs, correct? Exactly. Hmm. Sounds really cool. And it's <laughs> like, so it's like also white-level website. So it's not like if I'm starting like Yuval's new blog, so it's mm. going to be my blog. It's not going to be like, you know, it's going to be a ghost. Ghost is going exactly. to be a ghost on that website. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And this is like, 
you know, just part of you know, a lot of the people you've had on this show talk about the trends that are coming and so on and like the web three things and how can we think about UX and content strategy and stuff as things continue to change. And I think one of the big, again, meta trends is that people want to own like their thing from beginning to end. And if they want to move, they can move. And so ghost kind of lends itself to that with people being able to own their content, own their customers, like the Stripe data. So they can literally move a hundred percent of their income, their content, everything to another platform or to whatever they want, or just to build a whole new system for what they do. And, you know, it's open source, so you can change it how you want to fit your needs. And I think just as people become more aware of, you know, what companies are actually asking for them in terms of their own data and whatnot, they're like, oh yeah, maybe I do want more of a say over what I give people. Amazing. Are you planning to have like, at Ghost, are you planning to have some, you know, futuristic web-free kind of elements like, I don't know, crypto payments? Yeah, like, there's a lot like of conversations. Ghost token or something like that? That'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah, I think that's more for like the product side of what they're dreaming up. But on the content side, a lot of our focus is just getting people, getting people who are were maybe more intimidated by this whole technical revolution and saying, hey, like, you don't need to be a programmer or developer in order to take advantage of these changes that are ultimately helping smaller solo creators and writers and marketers take advantage of ownership. Mm-hmm. And by the way, is it specifically for uh, uh, people that want to monetize out of their blog, like they want to paid subscribers or you can just have a blog over there and that's it? Yep, exactly. You can just have your own blog. That's actually what I started it for when I was thinking about what I wanted the next you know, five to 10 years of my writing to look like. I started a ghost blog specifically just to play and test my skills again. So after like self-publishing for a few years, I decided I kind of wanted to work on bigger projects and with a team again. And what would that look like? And so this is a general piece of advice for people looking to get into content strategy or content marketing. So I spent about three months writing my own series to rank my own content on my own blog. And I think if you like, if you're thinking about moving into like, you know, you have writing skills, you want to see how can you move into a tech space or into another company that you like, specifically writing content and so on. My first piece of advice is always to rank your own content, like figure out how that works. And if you can get even an article or two beyond the first few results of Google for something, that's going to be more impressive than just saying you wrote something once that no one can see. You know, that's a great tip. I think that I started doing what we do right now at the UX Writing Hub because mm-hmm. of an article I published in 2017 that just exploded. It was nice. like on the first page of Google for the word. I was transitioning to UX design. So I like did an overview of all of the different uh, design tools. Mm-hmm. So it was the first page of Google for the term design tools that was extremely trending. So I got like millions of views for that specific one piece, like more than any other so piece cool. I ever wrote in my life. I must say, <laughs> uh, I never got that trendy or viral before, never, <laughs> but that's okay. I, I live okay with myself. But anyway, uh, that kind of, you know, just like you said that you need to be ranked first to understand like how to get your content ranked. Because, you know, once we decided we move into the UX writing 
field, I knew exactly what things I need to write right now in order to like mm-hmm. get ranked on those. And our SEO is fairly good. Like as the, mm-hmm. you know, as the industry grows, you can see that also in this Google search console that more people that search this field find us through those queries. So getting ranked was really like a eye-opening experience for me. So exactly. that's a really good tip. Yeah, I think you leveraged it perfectly. Like you ranked your own content and you found a spot or a market that was expanding, not shrinking. So like you get to ride the wave as more people are asking UX writing related questions. You're so well positioned to be the person to answer those. Exactly. And and also it's really challenging also because if you want to go into new fields right now, you feel like, okay, so you write for this market. How can I write for more markets? What kind of strategy should I take? And that's more of like an holistic question rather than like an SEO question. If you, you know, because I'm mm-hmm. doing more stuff than just writing about UX writing. I, I'm a curious person. I write about, you know, web-free stuff and no-code is something that I really like. And education is something I really like. The UX writing hub fundamentals is based on my curiosity of education and not in UX writing specifically. So what tips do you have for people that want to kind of, uh, you know, they kind of notice a trend right now, they run a ride that wave. What will be the steps that they can take right now in order to kind of grab that opportunity and get ranked? Yeah, that's a great question, I think. So yeah, blog posts, like public facing content is one of the best micro experiments you can do when you're testing an idea. So for example, Ghost itself started as a blog post. So the founder wrote in his idea, what would a great CMS look like that wasn't trying to be everything for everyone. Like you can do literally anything with WordPress now, but the downside is it's kind of a pain in the butt to use. WordPress is like the worst, yep. Yeah, exactly. And so after they published that blog post, I think they got something like 30,000 email opt-ins, like absolutely insane response. Yeah, and then use that to start a Kickstarter. And then that Kickstarter led to the company that it is now eight years later. That's amazing. And so people, yeah. And, you know, people forget like big things often start small. So if you're trying to figure out what to work on, or you're really interested in something, you know, like one of my latest things was figuring out what is this whole NFT thing? Like, is this just a trend that's going away? Um, And so writing a blog about it, explaining your own thought process, trying to answer your own questions in a public forum is just an excellent way to a position yourself as someone who has the answers to that, or at least is a few steps further than other beginners. And then, yeah, so I think two resources that I would recommend for people who are just trying to figure, maybe you already know the topic or you don't know the topic, but you just want to test your skills. There's a book by Steph Smith called Doing Content Right. And it's a very beginner-friendly version of here's a really broad overlook of what content looks online from like a professional perspective. Like you're not just blogging about your life and your, you know, what you ate and whatnot, unless you have a food blog, but in terms of turning a piece of content that you want and branching it out into overall strategy that you can then leverage into products and so on and so forth. So doing content right. And then the YouTube channel for HREFs, mm, I think with like that's the keyword. 
Yeah. It's just such a super useful thing. They have beginner and intermediate content. Some of the intermediate content is even a little dense for me. And I've been like watching that for years now, but that's a great way to see like, oh, it's not just that I have to write a piece that has these words in it. And that's how it ranks. Like there's so much more that goes into it, but it can seem intimidating if you don't spend the time and watch someone actually do it in front of you. Like, oh, this is the proper way to do keyword research or internal linking or just get, you know, your on page and off on site correct. You know, when I'm thinking about it, I took some SEO courses and classes and uh, I also checked the Ahrefs YouTube and there is this guy over there that is like extreme down to earth friendly. Like I'm putting aside the fact mm-hmm. that Ahrefs is the most expensive tool it's like you can use, <laughs> but you know, sometimes it's returned the investment, so it's okay. But the videos that offered for free on YouTube are extru- are exactly the same content that you have in all of those SEO courses, like step-by-step guides. A hundred percent. To, you know, grab your competitors, you know, headlines and so on and analyzing them and checking what other people wrote about to get a, an understanding of what's interesting and building the structure technically of your page and also the actual content structure and so on so that's a really good recommendation and i promise i'll check the doing content right you can see it on audible now so i'm going to check the audible version of it you know because even if you're a seasoned content creator or like at least a content creator with a lot of experience you always need to have more motivation and to learn and it's never you can't stop you need to learn constantly about trends and what's exactly. new and how to do it. I feel like I'm stuck right now with my content creation uh, mm. abilities uh, in a way that I, you know, I'm trying to create more content right now. And it's uh, that's an, uh, a challenge that uh, I'm facing. Yeah, <laughs> I, I feel like that's one of the biggest areas a creator like working on your own or a content creator working within a larger thing. Uh, business, it's that you're constantly flirting with burnout almost because you're constantly pushing for more ideas and pushing for more content. And one of the best things I've done like over the years is just build more thinking time into my schedule. Because I think, you know, one of the quotes I, yeah, I wish I've remembered who said this, but writing is not typing. And people forget that like writing there's so much more to it. You need the research. You need the, the brain time. You need, uh, one of my ideas is like creativity is dots. And the way you become more creative is first you add more dots. So that's either reading, watching things, talking to people, whatnot. And then you need time to connect those dots in interesting ways. And most of that happens away from the computer. So when you're walking, exercising, Shower. you know, just talking to your family. Mm-hmm. And when you're sitting down to write, like, you're pulling on those resources that the dots you have, the connections you've made, and then you're able to say something worth reading. But until you've done that background work, the content is a struggle. Definitely. I, I couldn't agree more. What will be your methodologies to generate new ideas in order to create, you know, content that sticks, content that resonates with other readers? Yeah, that's a good question. I think like you said earlier, following your own curiosity is always the first thing, whether or not that's directly tied to the topic you're writing about. That's why I think if you are a content producer with one primary medium, so like 
podcasting or blogging or video, it's helpful to have another medium where you can just play around with and explore that curiosity. So like my main job is a content writer, but I have a YouTube channel where I just make occasional videos about random topics that I'm interested in. And that's kind of an outlet to exercise that part of my brain without feeling like I'm burning out a little bit. And so I think that's by far the first and best thing you can do. And then the second is just treat your whole self as kind of the creative instrument. So if you're not healthy, if you're not sleeping right, if you're not eating right, if you're not moving your body regularly, like your content and creation is going to suffer. And I feel like that's something I wish people told me more because content creation, writing feels like such exclusively a mental exercise, but there's a lot more that goes into it. I love that idea. And uh, I always into the um, playing around with new types of content, you know, we started also as like with a series of blog posts and now we have our blog, but we have a weekly newsletter, which is like keeping it consistent. It's a very big challenge, but it's a weekly newsletter, which is a different medium. You know, you write an email to people. It's less about the clicks and more about like the short snippets of information that kind of people learn from. And podcast is another content creation methodology we played with which is weekly now as well and i'm checking your your youtube channel it's such a cool channel like you're talking about kajabi oh, which is you. a tool that we've been using also for the past few years i oh, really nice. love it so you gave nice. like a really nice and sweet overview for the whole thing which is great more people should know how to use this tool those were actually the first keywords that i played around with back in 2020 or 2019, I tried to rank for about a dozen different Kajabi keywords. I ended up ranking for about four of them. And yeah, they worked out really well through affiliate income and whatnot. Just... Oh, you did like affiliate for Kajabi. That's so smart. Right. So affiliate to those of you that don't know, like you can have an affiliate link for a company. You can put it in the show notes or something like that. And if people sign up for your content you get the commission out of it, which is a very common way to earn money and monetize out of your content. And also you have like one that got extremely trendy, which is the how to write a good book summary. Exactly. I was literally just writing, because on my own personal blog, in order to remember what I write, I write book summaries. Every time I finish a book, I take a few hours and just write my, all my notes down. And I was like, I feel like people would find this process helpful. And so I made a quick video about it. And the weird thing is that it got picked up by a lot of elementary and middle school teachers, and now they have it in their course. And so, yeah, so I've gotten emails from students or the teachers being like, hey, like, this is really helpful. We're using it for this project or whatever. I was like, wow, that was a super, because, you know, most of my videos have like a few hundred views or whatever. And that one has like 80,000. Yeah. And that was completely unplanned. <laughs> that's amazing it's like uh, that's the funny part about content creation you just know like once you've released it you don't know where it's going to land just like that you know mm -hmm. that piece i talked about about you know me being curious about different design tools publishing it and then it actually helped me to leverage my career as a designer you know i was just doing the transition but in the same time many people saw it and was like we need you to design our products now because you're an authority now because you wrote this Medium article, which is not what I was. I wasn't any type of authority. I just created a blog post that got really sticky and many people found it useful. 
Yeah, people underestimate A, the scale of the internet and B, the power of content. Like when you just take many shots by publishing posts and whatnot, you're basically just continually playing bets saying, I'm going to try to get the scale of the internet in my favor and just seeing how this content works. Like if you place enough bets, like one of them is going to hit or at least one of them. You know, most for a lot of the blogs I've either written for in the past or worked on, most of the content comes from a handful of posts. Even if that has hundreds of articles on there or even more, there's always just a few that, you know, the 80-20 rules just way outperform the rest. And yeah, so that's why like move quickly when you're creating content. I think that's always a good test. You know, just move quickly because you don't know what's going to perform as well as in something else. It might be something you have no idea. And so spending inordinate amount of time on a few is less effective than spending a little less time on more. Right. And also remember content creation. This is, I always say that it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. That means we're seeing right now like 80,000 views for that how to write a good book summary, but it took two years to be that. And probably in the first few months, it didn't pick up as well as you know, maybe one year after. So remember, it's a marathon, it's not a sprint. Publish your content, wait for it to perform, be patient. And a lot of time, you know, you publish one day and then one week after and then one week after, and then you see that it's not performing. So you kind of get discouraged and you don't want to publish content anymore. That's not the right thing to do. We need to keep posting because the performance is going to come way after, like month after. So don't let the lack of uh, performance at the beginning to discourage you from being consistent because consistency is the key here, uh, in my opinion. A hundred percent. Yeah, it's that building systems in place that help you be consistent and regular. So becoming a regular creator of content, um, whether that's for yourself or for the business you work for or so on. And you said that when you created this content about Kajabi, which is this tool uh, for educators, um, you you aimed for like 12, 13 keywords and you landed on four. So uh, how exactly do you do your keyword research when you want to make your content perform well? Yeah, that's a great, great question. It depends on a bunch of factors, but for the most part, when for the Kajabi example, let me just get specifics. I think those are more helpful. So for Kajabi, I knew what I was searching for as a user because I was already using the tool. And so that gave me some context already for which ones might be more useful than others. If you are writing content for a topic you're not as familiar with, you're going in a little bit more blind. And that's when I think you just need to aim a little wider because again, you're just less familiar with the topic and you're not as sure with what people are searching for. But for the Kajabi one, so I already had maybe a list of five or six questions that I personally had. And so I jotted those down. Then I use a tool like Answer the Public, which is a very uh, general kind of idea generation tool. And they, it gives you a few free searches every month. So like anyone can go in there, drop a word, and then choose their region where they're searching that content for. And then it gives you a really cool kind of spiral graph showing the amount that those questions or pronoun term, terminology, there's a whole bunch, they rank it a whole bunch of different ways. But basically, they give you a whole bunch of ideas on what you can, on the different questions you can answer. So I think 
starting there is always a good starting point. And then once you have maybe a list of 10 to 20 questions that you're trying to answer, that's when you can move into something like Ahrefs or another keyword tool and start general, like type in just Kajabi and see what keywords are coming up. And then how do those keywords relate to the questions people are asking? And so basically what you want to do is write an article answering the question that most relates to the keyword that's also getting traffic. Then you just do that again and again and again until you see what starts to gain traction. And then you can go in and optimize that more. Amazing. That was a brilliant tip. Is that, that good? Was <laughs> yeah. So thank you for that. Yeah. And most of like that entire process you can do for free, basically. Like instead of Ahrefs, you could use Ubersuggest or just Google Trends and type in a whole bunch of different things. I think people like, if you do the basics well, like you're going to get results and you don't need to be an SEO expert. You don't need to have like all the latest trends and tools and pay thousands of dollars for courses. Like just start with the free stuff and do the work and practice and you're going to see results and then you're going to self-teach yourself a lot better than other people can teach you. Amazing. And uh, myself, I'm trying to build my friendship circle slash audience on Twitter. So that's kind of another mm. beast for me. That's like where my curiosity going these days. So what will be your tips for that kind of tool? Like I found it almost impossible, to be honest, to find my audience over there. Like to create like genuine oh, discussions over there, not because there aren't, just because, you know, I think about this amazing tweet and I make a nice thread and then like, whoops, tweet, it's gone. No one cares about it. And at <laughs> the same time, I can tweet about something really, really silly and then it gets like way more. But yeah, <laughs> and I don't know why, to be honest. So, do you have tips for uh, that? How to, I like to network on Twitter. That's like since we've met That's on a good, Twitter. Yeah. Right? So, I'm actually in my third or fourth Twitter account. So, I've had old ones that I've deleted because either they got too spammy or they were really focused on another topic. And instead of like being smart and just redoing it. I just did the uh, whole thing and started again. Idea. I'm thinking about doing the same, to be honest. So I think, yeah, so Twitter is kind of a evolving beast. I think what used to work doesn't work. I think you have to stay on top of it. So I'm very, I'm testing different things right now. So what I'm testing is I'm, I'm using the tool Meet Edgar again, which republishes or recycles content. And so what I'm, what I put in Meet Edgar are a lot of quotes and articles related to content strategy because that's more of the conversations I want to have. And so every day I'm having a post or two automatically done for me. I think Twitter rewards activity. Their algorithm is weird, but I think the more active you are, the more likely people who aren't following your work are going to be suggested your profile and your content. So now that I already know I'm having maybe a dozen tweets sent automatically every week. That frees me up to just jump on and see a tweet that someone had and comment on it or get in conversation about it because I'm not thinking about what should I post. I'm thinking my posts are already taken care of. So when I do have time for Twitter, it's basically 100% interaction and I have a super small audience on there. So that might be the worst advice ever. But that's one way I found value out of it because, yeah, in my DMs, like, you know, 
we DM'd each other, set this up and so on. A lot of cool things happened in the DMs. Like, yeah, I don't want to like name names and stuff, but it it's cool that people who reach out, even though I have like a hundred followers and ask for advice, or we set up a call like this, or they offer you a job. It's just weird. Like you don't need a big size for good things to happen. You just have to position yourself again. Like we've talked across the whole board. You have to position yourself, associate yourself with a topic, and then just be available, be human. Amazing. All right. I, I, I'm writing everything you're saying right now. Like meet Edgar. <laughs> I'm using Buffer, by the way, to schedule my stuff. To be honest, I, I have awesome. like a suspicious that because I've scheduled too many tweets, now the tweet algorithm don't like me anymore. So that's why I don't get any exposure to my tweets. You know, you're getting suspicious there, right? Yeah. So and... I don't know, man. It's it's a weird game, but I think I feel like so like Twitter's not a handoff thing. So as long as you're scheduling and that's one part of what you're doing, I think it can only help you. Right. Like but enhancing. That's my opinion. Your work. I just think that maybe I. You know, maybe five years ago, it's the same Twitter account. So I exaggerated and I like automated five tweets a day. And since then I'm like blacklisted and now I don't get oh, any <laughs> engagement anymore. But that's only like paranoia. It might not make sense. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. The black box of Twitter. So David, it was amazing to talk to you today. And you too. I have the last question to ask you. Don't want to put you on the spot, but this is something we're asking every guest, which is if you'd have to name this episode, how would you name it? How would you? Oh, yes. And, you know, let me, you know, refresh my brain a little bit. So we talked a little bit about like building audiences, right? With or without ghosts, you know, building effective content, building content that sticks. We talked a lot about like it's not the uh, volume of your audience, but the quality of your audience. So we had a lot of discussions around that. So what do you think? Hmm. Oh, goodness. Titles are always difficult for me. (laughs) I think, yeah, maybe something fun like content is your friend. Content is your friend. (laughs) Building friendly content that sticks or... uh, there right. you go. See, that's much better. Kind of headlines take me forever to get right, so I just need to call you up and have you help talk me. Talk to me. Talk to me. Yeah, I'm, I love headlines because uh, I figure out that you know uh, headlines are the open rates, right? So the way mm-hmm. you choose to name your article slash YouTube video is going to affect if people are actually going to watch it or not. So you can write something for one month or record a video for like six months. But if you're going to have a bad headline, there is a really big chance that not enough people are going to watch it, even though they're probably going to be interested in watching it. So nailing that headline is something that I tried to learn to master. And there's some science around it, like using, you know, numbers, and stuff and using power boards mm. and that's actually why if i can say that's one of the reasons why i dove into your podcast and like love Thank it you. because like we produce a lot of content but there's some content that is disproportionately more important like the micro copy or the headline or even what what a button is called and that's super interesting to me because i spend a lot of my time on long form but a lot of the results like rely on those smaller pieces of content. And yeah, that's a skill I want to get better at. 
that's a great skill to learn, you know. The microcopy is the is effective words that, you know, helping people to take action, even though, you know, it's not a long-form copy. It's just two words or something like that. Anyway. Exactly. So I think we have our headline. Thank you so much. So we're going to add in the show notes your YouTube channel and your tweet account and so on. But what would be the best place to reach out to you? Yeah, if you can add the ghost.org slash resources, because that's where all my writing is right now. I think that'd be fun. And Twitter's the best place to reach out to me. Sweet. All right. So thank you so much for being here today. It was a blast having you. I learned a lot. I, you got me some motivation also to create more content, which is always nice. And that's about it. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to another episode of Writers in Tech. Listen, I want to ask you something that I never asked before, but I'd love to get your feedback. Just let me know how was the last episode. You can reach out to me on LinkedIn, Yuval Kestecher. Uh, you can find the, the link in the show notes as well on Twitter or Yuval at uxwritinghub.com. That's the best place. Let me know how is this episode for you and how is this podcast for you? What kind of topics you would like to listen to? What kind of guests you would like us to have? And we would love to be here to listen and to create the best possible podcast and content that you can consume on the way to work or in commute or while you're washing the dishes. All right. Thank you, David. And see everyone next time. Bye.